Hey folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Minnesota. Kristen Lyerly and OBGYN is on the Fox River. And up on Lake Monaco is Kirk Bangstead of the Monaco Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome. You're up north. Won't you let me die? Hello and welcome to the Up North Podcast. I'm Kirk Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company, and who we have here. Hello there, Mr. Bankstead. It's uh, Mr. Kreitlow here on uh, beautiful Lake Wasoda. So Kristen, I believe, is in D.C. somewhere, as she is like every other week trying Kristen to... Kristen is in D.C., but let, let, let's, let's just jump right into it, shall we? Because Kristen's got a story, and she's going to... I'm sure she'll tell it more next week, but if you if you follow her on Twitter... You'll know that she put up a post uh, night before last saying that she was in Washington, D.C. with a whole bunch of other obstetrician gynecologists, the people who take care of women. They are the doctors. They know the science. And she put up a post that they were told by certain Republican members of Congress that if in their one-on-one meetings with these Republicans, if they even brought up abortion in any way, shape, or form, these Republicans said they will block everything else these doctors are coming to lobby them about and want them to do. I, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's as close as you get to censorship, uh, you know, right there. And and my advice to Kristen was name and shame, baby, name them and shame them. I don't, I don't oh. know that they will. They'll probably try to play fair, but I mean, that that's what she's dealing with right now. It's she finally found something that's more difficult than working with you. And <laughs> Imagine doctors who have trained for like a decade, uh, taking care of the female population of America, uh, just being silenced when they want to talk about health care to people making health care policy. Yeah, basically giving them a gag order saying, well, you can come talk to us, but don't don't talk about that one thing that, you know, turned women uh. into second class citizens. So we, we wish her all the best. And uh, I will be uh, away the next couple of uh, weeks here. So I'm sure she will fill you all in on that. Great. Now, before we get in, so we're going to be talking about on this show, we're going to be talking about the Medicaid expansion, uh, how Wisconsin is one of uh, one of 11 states left that has not uh, done this from soon to be 10. (laughs) Exactly. North Carolina, right? North Carolina. The Republicans there this week said, let's expand Medicaid and cover more people. We're down to 10. Yeah, and uh, and we're the only Midwestern state, and we'll get into that. We have some great guests to talk about that and how we might be able to change that if we change the uh, balance of our Supreme Court and make it more progressive. But just kind of be, uh, before we get into that theme, let's talk about the theme of not having, uh, uh, not being responsible, of not being held accountable to your constituency. Uh, Voss, uh, Robin Voss, our Republican kind of leader in the legislature, uh, just today uh, said that he was against funding or giving giving uh, uh, poorer students, uh, pa- students who are who are whose kids whose parents are making less than sixty two thousand dollars a year, extending uh, a free edu- college education to them when that's happening currently at the U- UW Madison, but not doing it at the state level or the other state schools like River Falls or La Crosse or, or, or Stevens Point and how that is. Hip, you know. There's no money. There's no money for that, Kirk. Haven't you heard? <laughs> there's only there's only a seven billion dollar surplus, and and 
They're busy spending, I believe the total bill now on the Gableman sham investigation is two and a half million dollars. So don't think about the children who want to go to college. <laughs> think about the lawyers and the politicians who want to continue to sow doubt about democracy and pay for this investigation. You got to you got to put the money where it's most needed in, in Robin <laughs> Boss's eyes. So not only that, but they've spent now $4.7 million because it's still ongoing or they earmarked that just to hire lawyers to fight to gerrymander Wisconsin, which was yes. even before the sham investigation happened. So it's like lawyers are are obviously more important than our, our, our children and, and college education in when Wisconsin. It, when, it, when it comes to what's more important than children for those folks, the answers are lawyers, guns, and money. Wow. <laughs> All right, so uh, that's uh, that's that's the start of our show, but we are going to take a quick break and let our guests in and then talk about Medicaid expansion and how uh, we need to hold our legislature accountable in order to actually literally give health back to our state. Join us in a second. Monaco Brewing Company is excited to partner with Equality Vines to create Choice Wine. Choice Wine comes in two choices, Rosé and Sauvignon Blanc. This wine was created to support women's reproductive rights after the Supreme Court rolled back Roe v. Wade in 2022 and caused chaos all over the country. For our Up North podcast listeners, go to choice.equalityvines.com and be sure to use the promo code UPNORTH to get 10% off your next order. That's choice.equalityvines.com and use the promo code UPNORTH. Yourself. Is the loving really gone so I can ask myself Really what is going wrong in this world that we living in People keep on giving in Making wrong decisions, only visions of them dividends Not respecting each other, denying thy brother A war is going on but the reason's undercover The truth is kept secret, it's swept under the rug If you never know truth then you never know love What's the love y'all? Come on What's the truth y'all? Where's the love indeed? Something we've been asking about Republicans uh, in the Wisconsin legislature since the Affordable Care Act passed, and the opportunity was there to cover so many more people in Wisconsin, uh, people who are well, what you might call the working poor, middle class. These are people with jobs. These are older folks. And they could get coverage as is being done in all these other states, but it's it's not being done. And so that's part of our topic this evening uh, with our guests. And I, I can't wait for you to get to hear from Paul Sturgill, who practices elder law throughout northern Wisconsin and the UP. He's been listed in the best lawyers in America since 2013, a Wisconsin super lawyer from 2005 to 2020. And he has actively worked to develop the field of elder law, and his accomplishments in that field have been widely recognized. I haven't seen him in many, many years, but he is a very good friend and supporter. And Paul, it is so nice to see you through the connection here. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, welcome to, to Kirk and the Monaco Brewing Company's uh, little up north shindig that we do here at the cabin. Good to see, good to see you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Good evening. Paul, it's it's so great to 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 learn about you for one thing, because I, I, I you know Pat's been around a lot longer than I have. Let's be honest, and uh, <laughs> and I didn't know that yet, that having somebody up north that you were such a an esteemed kind of a, a figure in this field of elder law. So uh, it's it's nice to officially meet you. We've been talking a little bit before that or Thank before you. this week. Now I wanted to not. To, to introduce also our second guest, because uh, Paul's a lawyer, but Dr. Ann Reitz, or Reitz, Ann, 
It's, it's right. That's correct. <laughs> okay. Reitz, she is a family med medicine physician. She's been one for 33 years, and she worked in, in rural and tribal clinic in, in, in a hospital in New Mexico for more than 20 years, but is now um, moved to be closer to her family and is uh, working in an outpatient tribal clinic in northern Wisconsin. And so she's got a really good understanding of what life looked like uh, pre-Medicaid expansion in New Mexico, post-Medicaid expansion in New Mexico, and now what it looks like again uh, when she moved to Wisconsin without Medicaid expansion. So we've got a really perfect person to talk about what the effects of this lack of, uh, you know, of, of Medicaid expansion really mean to people. Thank you for joining us, Anne. Yep, and thank you for having me. <laughs> Appreciate it. Okay, so, Paul, let's, uh, you know, I mean, we've been talking, you know, the people in the political know have been talking about this for 10 years now, but a lot of people listening to this podcast don't know anything about what Medicaid expansion means. So can you kind of lay the groundwork and tell us, you know, what, what, you know, what happened, you know, over a decade ago and, and, and why we're currently still languishing uh, among the bottom 10 states in America? I'm not Thank doing you. it. Yes. Well, Medicaid and its companion uh, program, Medicare, were created by Congress with the Medicare and Medicaid Act of 1965 by President Johnson. The uh, larger of uh, who are enrolled in Medicaid. And the kind of Medicaid Medicaid for nursing home care. But the Medicaid that we're talking about is Medicaid for uh, American the had two components to it. One is the exchanges to become Americans component. Childless adults. Uh, and that's really what we're talking about here. And here's what happened. Much to everyone's surprise, Chief Justice Roberts, who wrote the majority opinion upholding Medicaid, there was a challenge to it from, I believe, uh, business groups, the Chamber of Commerce, ruled that, well, the exchanges, uh, the private health insurance component uh, was constitutional. The mandatory expansion of Medicaid to the states violated the 10th Amendment to the Constitution. How many people aren't even aware of what the 10th Amendment is all about? Uh, <laughs> uh, Chief Justice Roberts, uh, apparently the, expand, the transformation of Medicaid to a program which would include childless adults, apparently really stuck in his craw. Uh, and he said this would be a huge transformation of this program. And he said that because the law stated that if a state did not accept the expansion of Medicaid, it would lose all of its federal share of Medicaid dollars. Now, here's something to be aware of. Uh, Medicare is an entirely federally funded program. 
It's all federally funded. We apply for Medicare through the Social Security Office. Uh, it's the same everywhere. When Congress established Medicaid, it decided that it wouldn't make it entirely federal. Rather, half of the money would come from the federal government and half from the states. And so we have 51 different Medicaid programs as a result. Well, the Affordable Care Act would have taken a huge step towards federalizing the entire Medicaid program because it provided that states expanding Medicaid would receive federal funding of 100% for the expansion. And then after three years, that amount would slightly decrease every year until it fixed in 2020 at 90% federal funding. And that's- and Paul, Paul, let me interrupt you because that's, yeah. that's an important thing to make when we want to talk about a particular Republican talking point on why many states in the beginning did not accept this Medicaid expansion, did not accept the federal dollars because they said it was going from 100% federal uh, support down to you know 90% at some point. And you had Scott Walker and others saying, well, at some point, the federal government could take this down to zero. Well, to be clear, no Democratic-controlled Congress was ever going to let that happen. If anything, it would be Republicans that would bring it down closer to zero, as evidenced by the, the rhetoric of the Ron Johnsons and the Rick Scotts of the world. So to get back to what you were saying, it was created with a 100% federal match, but then it was, okay, states, we've gotten you started. Now do more to help cover people. And Paul, is it fair to say that Medicaid expansion in the states that have done it ha has been wildly successful? And, and in fact, and maybe I, I think you you could probably answer that from a New Mexico standpoint, couldn't you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was working in a small, very small rural hospital um, the first year that Medicaid expansion took place in, the, in New Mexico. And of note is the governor at that time was a Republican, um, but she knew her state well. It was a state with, of extreme poverty with, with a very high rate of uninsured people. And, and hospitals, rural hospitals, um, closing and and or or straining to stay open and stay solvent financially, um, and and uh, and health disparities um, that were quite remarkable. So, in spite of being a Republican, she had she uh, had common sense and she took the Medicaid expansion. Because and, again, it's about service. It's about right. serving your people, right. people who and, need health care. Right. And our little hospital, the first year that Medicaid was expanded, our revenues went up by 35% in one year, the first year, um, when, you know, you were still trying to enroll people. So, so it was, it's been a glaring success in New Mexico. Um, of note is that if you look at, if you tell a state that in three years, you're going to have to um, support 10% of this program. The amount of revenue that these programs that that having healthcare amongst this much larger population of people, the revenue is generated in jobs. It's generated in good-paying jobs, healthcare jobs, but it's also generated in having a healthy workforce who can pay taxes 
I mean, it's so it's it's crazy to not see the logic behind keeping people healthier, keeping a large number of people healthier, um, and and keeping them in 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 the ability to work. And also, it's really important to remember that these folks who are added into the system, most of them are working. Um, most of these folks who qualify for Medicaid expansion are working. That is such an important point to make again, because you've got Republicans who continue to call this welfare and who bring up this imagery of people who are sitting at home and that that's why there's a labor shortage, not baby boomers retiring or anything else like that. But, but these are working people, Kirk, who need help and assistance, and it would be good for them. And it would be good fiscally for Wisconsin as well. So, I mean, Paul introduced, you know, the the concept of what Medicaid was uh, throughout throughout, you know, the United States and how it was kind of a partnership between the states and the federal government. Um, He then, you know, went on to talk about how this Affordable Care Act, uh, you know, took over 100 percent of things uh, for the federal government, but then introduced 10 percent to the states after three years and just told us that that 10 percent is probably covered in health, a health, you know, these people wouldn't go to the hospital. Otherwise, they wouldn't go to the doctor. Otherwise, if you if you didn't expand, if you didn't expand Medicaid for them, it's a healthier populace. There's more people potentially coming to your state and not leaving because if your neighboring state has Medicaid expansion, you know, you might that little slice of the pie might might want to leave and get there. So the question is to to Paul, why uh, aren't we doing this in Wisconsin? What is the reason that that we're still one of 10 states that seemingly makes, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world to do this. Yes, uh, it simply boggles the mind as to why Wisconsin is an outlier and why we haven't done it. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, uh, picking up on what Ann said about the many benefits from Medicaid expansion. Uh, all of Wisconsin's neighboring states have expanded oh. Medicaid, some of them under Republican governors. For instance, uh, the neighboring state of Michigan, across just about a half a mile from where I live uh, and where I am right now, expanded Medicaid. As a result, 20,000 residents of the Upper Peninsula now have Medicaid that they didn't have. In addition, uh, the state is running the Upper Peninsula expansion out of Marquette, and it employs 164 people uh, to handle the expansion. Just think uh, what 164 jobs would do for Northern Wisconsin if we expanded it. So uh, now, uh, and also, uh, because we did not expand Medicaid, all of the Wisconsin taxpayers are paying their federal income tax to support the expansion in the other states. Yeah, exactly. This doesn't happen in a vacuum. Wisconsin tax dollars paid, you know, paid in their federal taxes. That's money that is not coming back here. And it's it's leaving money on the table for Wisconsin. It's it's costing taxpayers. And if if I'm if I'm reading this correctly, the American Rescue Plan provided even more incentive for states to do this. Paul, you're absolutely correct. In fact, uh, the American Rescue Plan uh, 
would have given Wisconsin $1 billion to basically do whatever it wanted to, as long as it would please expand Medicaid. In addition, there would be $630 million of federal Medicaid dollars coming in with that. So here's what happened. Uh, uh, when Governor Evers ran for office, uh, he ran pledging to expand Medicaid. As we know, he, he won. Uh, and a lame, lame duck session following the defeat of Governor Walker took away the governor's authority to accept federal money. So uh, Governor Evers called a special session of the legislature uh, with that $1 billion that we would have gotten under the American Rescue Plan, plus the $630 million in additional Medicaid funding. It was held on May 25th, 2021. Uh, Speaker of the House Voss gaveled in and gaveled out in less than one minute. Uh, there was not even any debate on this, and the governor had a whole list of projects that, as to where that money would go. For instance, two hundred million dollars for broadband expansion in northern Wisconsin, fifteen million dollars to purchase the closed Park Falls Mill to prevent it from demolition. We lost all of that. It just boggles the mind. All right, so uh, I want to get back to all the money we're leaving on the table, but, but we've, we've got, we've got uh, Dr. Reitz here and, and, and uh, Anne has got a lot of, inf you know, boots on the ground. She's been doing this uh, both in New Mexico and Wisconsin. And without Medicaid expansion, are you, what are you seeing in Northern Wisconsin? Are, are you seeing people not come, uh, not, you know, they're being sick and not coming to the hospital? What, what happens when a state doesn't have this Medicaid expansion? That happens every single day um, <laughs> that I'm in clinic. We, we, we the, the people who don't have insurance will either come once um, when they're really sick and then not come back for follow-up after that um, because they don't have any health insurance. So, um, so that, so I think the numbers of uh, the number in Wisconsin of people who could be insured through Medicaid expansion. Um, at this point, it's around 80,000 people um, who could have Medicaid tomorrow if the, if the legislator accepted it. And I think there was one very telling story that we heard recently about a young woman who does live um, with her husband in, in, the, in the UP. Um, so she, uh, it, she and her husband experienced um, a diagnosis of cancer, and he was eligible for Medicaid expansion and wouldn't have been if Michigan hadn't taken that expansion. And she, um, she spoke quite eloquently of the, of how much it meant to them as a family that he's still alive. And my, I, I have a cousin who um, had two, two jobs in Montana, much long before Montana took Medicaid expansion. And at the age of 49, he had chest pain all summer and didn't go in to get checked. And he died at, at the age of 49 of some cardiac death. It's happening every single day. The other thing about, uh, about um, health care that, that, I mean, the, the 
the problem with healthcare in this country is it is the number one cause of bankruptcy in this country. And, and um, the, the Republicans claim that a lot of the people in Wisconsin um, who might qualify for Medicaid expansion are instead on the exchange with a private insurance plan, but those private insurance plans still have incredible deductibles, thousands of dollars, six, seven, you know, five, six, seven thousand dollar deductibles on an annual basis, and very few families that qualify for those plans can, could ever afford that kind of uh, cost. So we're rationing care in this country, and we have been rationing care in this country um, forever. Um, and it's and we're rationing care based on income. Yep. And so people that are poor in America can't get the same level of care as people who aren't poor, and that's because a lot of it's because we're not expanding Medicaid. Paul, you mentioned to me when we were talking about this topic earlier and preparing for the show that. There's a cruelty element here. Uh, it's a basically just comes down to cruelty. What do you mean by that? Well, for instance, uh, when Governor Walker refused to accept uh, Medicaid funding, he said uh, that the people, well, first of all, he set up his own Medicaid program, which would provide Medicaid funding to uh, Wisconsinites who had incomes of less than 100% of the poverty level. However, because he wouldn't accept the federal funding, that program is 100% paid for with Wisconsin taxpayer dollars, where it would have been 100% paid for with federal dollars. Now, the people above that, uh, who would have incomes of over 100% of the federal poverty level and up to 138% of modified adjusted gross income, the governor said of those people that they should, quote unquote, go out and get a job. But in fact, as Ann pointed out, most of the uninsured are working. And often they're working at two or even three jobs, but alongside their low wages, they have lousy benefits. So the public sector fails them. They're supposed to go to the private sector and that fails them too. And, and by the way, when we talk about you know the Affordable Care Act and, and the good that it has done, you have to remember that back when, when the Affordable Care Act first came into play, healthcare was taking up 17% of our gross domestic product and 16% of Americans were uninsured. Now, all these years later, we're still spending 17% of our gross domestic product on healthcare, but we're, but the, the rate of uninsured was cut in half. It's only 8%. So more people have coverage and more would have coverage if the cruelty wasn't the point for Republicans in Wisconsin and other states. And I've got another interesting stat to share about these other states when we come back in just a bit on the Up North podcast brought to you by the Monaco Brewing Company. We'll be back. Tell me slowly over and over again Same old stories over and over again Tell me 
slowly over and over again over and over again all right so the reason we played same old story over and over again is because uh as i was talking to paul you know i said this whole the theme of all of these podcasts since the new year i've i've has been how can we fix the problems that wisconsin is facing uh with uh with with changing the balance of the uh, wisconsin supreme court uh we talked about education uh you know we talked about the teachers union we talked about the democracy uh, we've talked about gerry gerrymandering over and over and over again because so many of wisconsin's problems are are because we have legislators that don't have to be accountable to the voters that vote for them because their districts are foolproof because we are the most gerrymandered state in the country. And, and they so, know that they have a conservative Supreme Court to back them up on that, on gerrymandering and so many other things. So we've covered this over and over again on how if we elect, if we change the balance of the court and, uh, and, and have a progressive balance that has already admitted that the maps are are, are wrong and, and there, there's been there's cheating and they're unfair uh, th that this will change. Uh, so the big question is we're dealing with uh, you know the Medicaid expansion. Um, Paul, how if we you know why does gerrymandering and a and a balanced Supreme Court have anything to do with Medicaid expansion? Can you kind of lead yes. us into this kind of concept? Here's the uh, tie-in. Uh, in uh, 2012, uh, there were a number of referenda that were advisory in nature because unlike Michigan, California, Washington, some other states, we cannot pass legislation by initiative. So there were advisory referenda conducted in a, in a number of counties asking whether or not the voters would want the Medicaid expansion under the Affordable Care Act. One was held in my home county uh, of Iron, and the voters overwhelmingly said yes, and that was the case in all of the other referenda. And yet, our gerrymandered legislature uh, will not even consider expanding Medicaid. So how do we get around it? it, it suing is really not uh, an option because, as I mentioned, uh, Chief Justice Roberts ruled uh, that the mandatory expansion was unconstitutional. I would disagree with that, but I'm not on the Supreme Court, let alone <laughs> Chief Justice. You the, reason, the reason I disagree with it, he, Chief Justice Roberts said that saying to states, if you don't accept the federal uh, Medicaid expansion, you're going to lose all of your Medicaid dollars for your entire program, your federal dollars. He said that was coercive. I disagree with that because coercion does not apply when the federal government is conferring a benefit on the states. And the benefit on the states was uh, the, uh, the enabling so many low-income Wisconsinites and other P Americans to get Medicaid and 100% funded by the federal government and then going down to still 90%. So but anyway. that just that just illustrates the politicization of the US Supreme Court which we we can't fix that way because it it 
we, we can only fix it through each presidential election where instead of picking a president that we'd like to have a beer with, you know, we should maybe pick the person who's going to pick Supreme Court justices that would abide by the rule of law, not the rule of, you know, what the Republican Party wants to, wants to do. Uh, Dr. Ann, I, I've got to take this into the, the healthcare realm. And I teased this in the last segment. There is, unfortunately, there's a Venn diagram here that I, I need to describe to folks. We know about the states that don't have this yet. And uh, apart from Wyoming and Texas, which are kind of considered in the West, all the others are in the deep South. There's Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, South Carolina, Tennessee. You know, we're one of the pretty much the only Midwestern state that hasn't done this yet. And it means we have less coverage. Now, not so coincidentally, this week, Republican legislators indicated that they were going to oppose new vaccine recommendations for kids from Governor Tony Evers and public health officials. They were not going to insist on changing the status for uh, meningitis and chickenpox and things like that. So in the story about this, Anne, it talked about how vaccination has become a hot button issue for Republicans. And that usually 94 to 95% of kindergartners are vaccinated against measles and tetanus and so forth. But it dropped in Wisconsin more than any other state except a couple of states in the South, Mississippi and Georgia. We, what can we do about this mentality that says healthcare just isn't important and it's not just every person for themselves, but it's every kid for themselves? Well, I wasn't aware of this um, proposal by the Republicans. Is it a piece of legislation? Is it a uh, it would it would the proposal would require students to be vaccinated twice against meningitis and then tighten the rules on chickenpox vaccinations, which I know is getting a bit of field of, of Medicaid, but it's making the point that Wisconsin and deep south states seem to have this problem with taking health care seriously, either as a legislative policy or even just life-saving vaccines. And it's 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 got to be so puzzling to see that here, you know, when you see other states that um, are, are benefiting from Medicaid expansion, are benefiting from embracing what public health officials say is the best course of action for our people. Right, and I um, so I I I I can't I can't comment on what they were recommending for vaccines, other than that we uh, the 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 low vaccination rate is a mystery. Um, but but um, it's also pretty clear that that um, that Republican led states and Republican led counties. There's plenty of there are there are two very large studies that were done recently. One study looked at uh, 20 years of change in life expectancy between Republican led counties versus democratic led counties over a 20 year period. And there's an incredible life expectancy gap, uh, meaning that Republican counties um, are losing ground when it comes it, to life expectancy. It is literally hazardous to your health to live right. someplace that is in Republican control. Right. And then, and, <laughs> and the same goes for the study that was, that looked at states 
Um, and, and vaccine distrust, it, it, it had, it, I mean, just the COVID pandemic alone um, resulted that the vaccine misinformation and the vaccine uh, and the vaccine distrust that was sown amongst politicians, um, amongst their people by politicians, um, led to thousands and thousands of deaths. Yeah. Um, so without a doubt. Um, so so I, I, I it's not a um, it's not at all. I mean, it's it, Wisconsin has suffered from poor leadership. Leadership. Right. You're, I was yeah. just going to say leadership right. matters, Kirk. Leadership yeah. matters. So I wanted to uh, uh, talk about leadership matters, but also the balance of power matters. And so what we fail to mention is is you know we're one of 11 states that hasn't passed this but six red states over the last few years have passed medicaid expansion and they've done it through statewide referenda uh and it's it's like idaho maine missouri could be one of the reddest states nebraska oklahoma and utah they've been actually able to the people in those states have overruled their republican legislatures because they've taken a statewide election on it now, unfortunately, Wisconsin can't do that. We no. only can do we only can do advisory uh, referenda. And so the question I have for Paul is, you know, a I wish we could do this as a state because we know that we could vote outvote our Republican majorities in the legislature if, if people just were allowed to vote on this. But I wanted to, you were telling me earlier when we were talking about this is the the republican gerrymandered legislature is going to vote against this time and again and we have to you know fight them in court but don't some republican legislators understand that we need to do this i mean the people that you're in her you're in iron county i mean it, it doesn't get much more republican than than that but are, you're but you're still there and you're 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 a great lawyer that they should respect and understand i mean are, do they understand this and they're just not voting for it what's happening with these legislators well, i think we need to really be good advocates and that's something that ann and i are doing we showed up at a town hall meeting last month with our new state senator and our new state representative uh and we gave a presentation advocating for the expansion of Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act. Uh, and we're going, we plan on continuing to do that at every opportunity that we get. Uh, I wanted to mention something about vaccination. You, you, the, uh, you may know this, uh, but anti-vaxxers often uh, resort to what would the founding fathers have done and patriotism. And I just uh, read, uh, and you may all know this, that uh, uh, George Washington, the commander of the Continental Army, ordered mandatory vaccination against smallpox during the Revolutionary War. That's right. Yeah. The, look, there were smart people back then too. There, there isn't, there isn't a rational basis for what's happening here. And as far as the Republicans, you know, the legislators that you talk to, I think they come in two flavors. When, whenever they show in person, some kind of sense of compassion or moderation on this, there are those who understand it's the right thing to do, but they don't want to buck leadership. They don't want to buck donors. They don't want to get the rhino tag put on them. And, and then you have those who nod their head and say, okay, I hear you. I hear you. But they, they never had any intention of trying to, to buck leadership or anything like that. And so 
unless you can change the maps and unless you can change the composition of the state Supreme Court, it seems to me, Kirk, the, you know, the thing that you've got to do is continue to educate our legislators, educate each other on these issues so that at some point the Republicans in Wisconsin become like the Republicans in North Carolina this week and the Republicans in those other states and say, you know, Maybe a 12-year temper tantrum is long enough. Maybe, hey, this is a good idea. It saves lives, makes people healthy, saves us money. Um, maybe maybe we ought to do this. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen on their own without people like you, Kirk, you, you know, running things like this. Well, exactly. I mean, this is you're absolutely right. This is a 12-year temper tantrum. There is no logical reason uh, to not expand Medicaid. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. There is no, there is no logic to it. Uh, we've talked about... Uh, you know, in the last, we've talked about uh, how we've left so much federal money on the table. Wisconsinites are paying federal taxes so that other states can get these benefits, and it's not coming back to us. Uh, we're spending extra amount of state tax dollars because we're not taking federal dollars. It's just, it's just one, f and and then people are getting sicker and not coming to the clinic and getting and and getting help because they they're left out in the cold. It's it's cruel and it makes no sense from a financial uh, conservative financial perspective. Right. So, so, right. so. Uh, that I'm going to leave you with that. We, uh, thank you so much, uh, Paul, and thank you so much, Anne, for joining us. I think we've got uh, everybody, uh, the, you know, the, the basics of what's going on here and how we have to really vote on, a, on, on April 4th to, to get rid of gerrymandering and to do this simple thing, which was to expand uh, Medicaid in Wisconsin. We're going to leave yeah. you. Thanks so much for joining us, and we're going to come so back much, for guys. one final segment. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> oh, say it again. Yeah. Keep on. Yeah. Over and over. See me. Feel me. Touch me. So I'd reach deep, Pat, into uh, into uh, the who's Tommy there, yeah, you because <laughs> because this is literally a question of it's literally and figuratively a question of healing Wisconsin. We have people that are getting sick and not going uh, to the doctor because they can't afford to get uh, to get care when almost when almost forty other states. Uh, are able to do that. The citizens of 40 other states are able to do that. Uh, we have uh, a legislature that's gerrymandered so badly that they'd rather vote against the things that make Wisconsin better, that actually heal people, that uh, just in order to score points, you know, if we have a Democratic governor, to score points against him so that people are so frustrated that they're like, well, we just, we might as well vote for a Republican because at least something will get done then. It's the cynicism is so rampant that they'll vote against the health of Wisconsin, both figuratively and literally, in order to win another election and in order to potentially please their donors. So the only way we can change this 
and to actually make our citizens more healthy is to change uh, our Supreme Court and to get rid of gerrymandering and to bring accountability back to our state. Pat? Well, in terms of, of healing Wisconsin, we're not getting it from, from the figures in legislative leadership now. And it's funny that you, you chose a song from Tommy because if, if, if from reading about it, if memory serves correctly, while Tommy was a sympathetic character in the beginning, it, it, he eventually became somebody who was messianic, who, who saw himself as a savior and who couldn't stop looking at himself in a mirror. I believe you have described the current leadership in the Wisconsin legislature that believes they are God, they know best, they are self-absorbed and, and power-hungry. And at the end of, of Tommy, uh, the, the, the followers stopped following and realized they, they had to go off in another direction. And I, I think that that's where more Wisconsinites are finding themselves. We already know they're there. We know they're there because in survey after survey after survey after survey, Wisconsinites are for women's rights to control their own body. They are for basic gun safety. They are for the right to vote. They are for legal marijuana, which Assembly Speaker Robin Voss says he sees no path to get there. Really? No path with 80% support of something? That That's a level of self-absorption that is can only be healed at the moment by enough people saying, we're not going to follow these people anymore. And that starts not with a legislative election. We just had those. It starts on April 4th, when you can literally, with one vote, change the entire composition of the Wisconsin Supreme Court and get it working on all of these areas in time. And that is what can truly heal the state. Thank you so much for that synopsis, Pat. Um, I think we this is just yet another issue, and we've we're probably at up to about 10 now over the course of the last few months that that really will uh, if we can if we can change the balance of the court uh, we can we can we can help heal our great state of wisconsin again thank you for joining us everyone and uh, we'll see you next week up at the cabin um appreciate you you, you sticking sticking with us thank you pat yeah you bet see you in a couple of weeks right behind you i see the millions on you, I see the glory from you. I get opinions from you. I get the story.